day. Uh, so we now put ourselves in a position uh, that we want to be receptive to your word. Uh, Lord God, uh, we pray, Lord God, that uh, the very soil of our spirits, Lord God, would be receptive, would be welcoming, Lord God, for every seed uh, that you implant there. And I pray uh, that it is not only implanted, Father, but it would also grow in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. So now, Father, in this place, Lord God, I pray for every resistant to your word, Lord God, we pray that it will come down in Jesus' name, that your spirit, uh, that the blood of Jesus Christ would touch every mind, Lord. Uh, so, Father, you have your way, and we do thank you for all the things that you're doing in our midst today, and we submit these things to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today we continue our series on kingdom stewardship. Today, part four, what do you do uh, with what God has given to you? What do you do with what God has given to you? Would you read with me, please, uh, starting in Matthew 25, verse 14. We'll read verses 14 and 15. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one. To each according to his ability. Then he went away. To whom God entrusts, God expects. To whom God entrusts, God expects. Number one, all we possess has been entrusted to us by God for stewardship. All we possess has been entrusted to us by God for stewardship. And just in case you missed it the last two times, all we possess has been entrusted to us by God for stewardship. Now, I'm not sure if you heard the word all. Uh, did you hear the word all? Uh, everything, maybe i say it that way and we'll get it. Everything that we have, God has entrusted to us for stewardship. Well, I'm sure some people may disagree because... Uh, some folks may insist uh, they own uh, what they own. They earned it through hard work, for that matter, before they came to the Lord. But each of us, being made in God's image, uh, has a depth of dominion in which we should and in which we do operate. Uh, one of the reasons why a Bill Gates or... Uh, some of these other folks that uh, they have so much money and they continue to amass more because they are operating in a certain principle of God. Did you know that? Even though they may not believe in God himself, they are operating in that principle and God is blessing them. And then what do we do? We act like haters. Oh, look at them. They don't even love the Lord. Why would God even allow them to amass such riches? You don't have to be a believer to be made in the image of God. But having said that, it does not negate one's need to accept Jesus Christ as their Redeemer. 
So even though you may operate in one of God's principles and have a lot of prosperity and success in your life in that area, you still need Jesus Christ if you don't have him. Here in this parable, uh, this man, whom uh, if you read down to verse 19, identifies as the master. This man, this master, he goes on a long journey, but gives each of his servants an opportunity to invest his money. Looking at the beginning of this section, verse 14, we read, uh, for it is like. Uh, did you see that? It's like we're coming in in the middle of a conversation, even though uh, this particular parable is contained within itself. And if you have a red letter edition Bible, uh, you may see red in front of you. And if you see red in front of you, you know who's speaking. Uh, Jesus is speaking. So Jesus, he begins to say, for it is like. Well, it is like what? What were you talking about? Well, it takes us back to a larger context. And in your free time, go back and read chapters 24 and 25 in which uh, uh, Jesus is talking about the end times and the coming of the Son of Man to this earth. He's speaking about the kingdom of heaven. Or as you know, uh, that's also another way of, uh, of saying the kingdom of God. So in verses 14 through 15, the master never tells the servants when he would return. Uh, did you see that? He just said, look here, I'm going away and uh, I'm going to give you this money and I need for you to be good stewards and invest this money, in other words. But one of the reasons he didn't tell him uh, he didn't tell them when he was coming back because if you traveled during those days, it was not like taking a 747 today. Well, what time is my flight? I know I have to be at the airport uh, one or two hours ahead of time because it's going to take off at this particular time, give or take about an hour or so. Hopefully within minutes it'll, it'll take off and then it's going to arrive at my destination at such and such a time. So the people that's going to pick me up, you pick me up from the airport at this time. You can expect me there. No, it was none of that. It was like, man, I got to get on this donkey, Right? And we got to ride down this road, and, and man, we got to ride down this road, and we don't know who we're going to encounter. We don't know who we're going to have to fight along the way. It's kind of like uh, if you were uh, around in the 60s or the 50s, for that matter, and you ever had to travel down south. And that's what we had to do sometimes. And I would hear these stories about, you know, we can't stop at this town when all of us all piled in the car together. We can't stop at this town. I couldn't understand how come we can't stop at this town because there are some people that don't like us. And if we stop at that town, we may not never make it where we're trying to go. Uh, so what the master was saying, look, I'm going away. There's no tricks about it. All I'm saying is we don't know how long it's going to take, right? We're not sure if it's going to rain. We're not, gonna sh we're not sure if we're going to run into robbers. All I'm saying is here's some money. I want you to take it and take care of my property while I'm gone. That's all. Therefore, since the master could return at any time, it was extremely important that each of these servants, uh, that they would take what the master gave them and they would quickly move into action. Our text bears this out when you look at verse 16. 
In verse 16 there it says, he who received uh, five talents that he did what? Uh, he, he went at once. Verse 16. The idea of uh, the original language telling that he went at once is really one word. Ethus, which simply means immediately. So the master gave him the money and immediately he went to do what the master expected for him to do. This means that when the master assigned this task to them, uh, they could not render uh, the reason that, you know what, uh, uh, master, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to take what you've given me in order to provide stewardship over, and as soon as I can get to it, I'm going to get to it. Uh, or they couldn't say, you know, Master, okay, thank you so much. I'm going to take this, but look here. I got this pile here on my desk right now, and I'm going to take what you gave me, and I'm going to put it up under this pile, and then when I work my way down, uh, hopefully I'll get to it before you get back. Uh, no, that was not the attitude. That was not the spirit of what was there. Uh, the, the scripture says, Uthus. It says, immediately, uh, that that first servant, he went and took what God gave him, and he went to invest it. He went to take care of business. Sometimes I'm guilty of not doing what needs to get done now because there are already other assignments on the top of my desk. In one sense, this is good, right? Because you know you know how to prioritize. You know that you are focused. It ain't nothing going to stop you from doing what you know you need to do. But brothers and sisters, I tell you, it is also unwise if God is calling you uh, to make a new priority in your life. When was, in fact, the last time that God told you to stop that what you were doing and go ahead and do what I'm calling you to do? And you did it. See, uh, sometimes uh, God, he just upsets our cart. And he simply wants to come in and say, how much do you love me? Do you love me uh, to, enough to take care of what I've called you to take care of now? Or are you going to justify not doing what I told you to do because you got other stuff on your docket? He says, who comes first? Is it me or is it your junk? Is it me or is it your job? And I'm just telling you what God wants us to understand. Well, do you think uh, these servants didn't have anything else to do? Is that what you think? Uh, do you think that when the master told them, here's five, here are five talents, here are two talents, here is one talent, do you think that they were just sitting around at home looking at television? Do you think they had nothing else to do? My God, they were servants of the master. They were always doing master things. Do you think that they didn't have an ongoing list from the last week or the last month? You see, servants of the master must know when to drop all other things and respond to his most recent call. Servants of the master must know when to drop all other things and respond to his most recent call. Just because you've been doing something uh, for 20 years don't mean that that's the priority of your life. So as we read verses 14 through 15, we see that the master, again, he never tells them how to invest his money. 
He only tells them to invest his money. At least this is what's understood through the context of the scripture. So as we learned in other places in scripture, many times the Lord is not too concerned about how we do things as long as we do th things in the spirit of righteousness. Uh, but he is concerned uh, that we do provide proper management over those things that will ultimately glorify him. Sometimes when the Lord gives us an assignment, we take the buckshot approach. You know what I mean? Uh, you remember Granny and them from the Beverly Hill buildings, and officer, you know, she had that, that shotgun. You know, she wouldn't put bullets in, but they put all that junk in it, and then when she was shooting, it would just spray out all over the place. Uh, sometimes when we think we're doing things uh, uh, for God, uh, we just put a bunch of stuff in there, and we shoot, and we just hoping something sticks somewhere. Uh, that's not how God works. Uh, God works like an arrow. God gives us an assignment, here's a target, we shoot, and bang, we hit the target. Uh, some of us say, yeah, I do the same thing. The difference is, after I shoot the arrow, I take my target and I move it and hope that the arrow will eventually hit it. Uh, but God says, no, here's the target, here's the arrow, you better aim straight. And there's only one way to aim straight, and you have to be focused on the Lord. Remember, many of the opportunities that God gives us, he only gives them to us for a season, and it's done. Uh, I'm telling you, uh, you, you better hear what I'm saying today, uh, that many of the opportunities that you may have, uh, that you have them right now, and soon that season is about to depart. Then what will you do? Once that season is gone, it is gone. Uh, no time for all the other dumb stuff. Uh, so here in Matthew 25, uh, 15, he says here at the end, he says, to each one he gives according to their ability. Uh, so the master entrusts his things to us according to our ability. So each of us, each of the three men, in fact, that they were given stewardship which corresponded uh, to them to be able to do what they could do. So the master, he knew his servants. You know that? He knew them. He knew that if he gave one guy that he only gave uh, less to, if he gave them, him like 50 talents, uh, he probably knew in his heart that uh, he would not do what he was supposed to do. Acts chapter 11, verse 29. Very quickly, Acts chapter 11, verse 29. It says here, so the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. Now here is the same rendering uh, of the same word here. And this word uh, ability is the word deutimus. And the word deutimus is where we get our word, if you don't know yet, is where we get our word dynamite from, uh, the word power. Uh, so in essence, it, is, it means to have the power or the ability to do something. So we look at what is in one's power or what is within one's ability to accomplish a given task. You know, all this stuff that you think is all piled up on you, God would not pile this up unless he knew you couldn't handle it, unless he knew you could handle it. Here in Acts chapter 11, if you're wondering, verse 29, uh, that there was a prophet who came to believers in Antioch. And the prophet said, there is coming a famine uh, in the land of all the known world. And I want you to know that this is what's going to happen. Uh, so uh, how they responded was, 
the prophet didn't tell them, you're going to have to do this and you're going to have to do this. They heard the word of God and according to what they had, that they used their resources in order to bring relief to Christians all over the place. So within their ability and within their power, they helped others. But you know how it is. I tell you, this used to be my mindset. You know what? Uh, I can't help nobody else because I can't even help myself. Since I can't help myself, then you know what? I'm going to keep to myself. I ain't going to say nothing and I ain't doing nothing for nobody else. But I'm telling you that that is a wrong way of thinking about things because God has, has, has gifted you with an ability, with an, empower, uh, an empowerment in order to help someone else. So the believers, they responded to God's word there in Acts 11 verse 29. And we may not always have a direct command from God's word immediately, but our maturity as discerning disciples of Jesus Christ directs us and tells us, you know what, there's something inside of us in which we're going to help someone else. So God gave, uh, the master gave these servants according to their ability. You know what, uh, some people uh, cook Good, and some people cook really, really good. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I, have to, I have to say this, you know, if you're offended, I'm sorry if you're offended, uh, because this is not meant for bad for anyone else. But I'm going to tell you, man, that cake I had last week from Sister Angie, I'm still thinking about it. That thing has been on my mind every day this week. Uh, you, you see, some people can use their skills and ability to create a masterpiece. And the cake was green. Can you believe that, Sister Lisa? It, it, was, it was green, and I loved it. Oh, man. It, oh, my goodness. Uh, some people can take uh, all these things and create uh, this masterpiece of structure and taste and texture and, and sweetness and, you know, and, and color and everything all together and say, here you go, uh, this wasn't nothing. I'm like, what do you mean this wasn't nothing? Uh, this was a masterpiece, Michael Angelo. Yes. And then there are some people, you give them the exact same ingredients and you wouldn't want to give that to your dog. You give them the same ingredients that, you know, you go ahead and do exactly what, sis, uh, what Sister Angie did. and uh, she tell you, Here, here's the recipe, here's all the ingredients and everything. Go ahead and make the cake. You'll be all right. And you end up with a pile of mess that, oh, man, is worthy for the trash can. You see, that type of person, uh, what God has given them ability to do is simply go into the store and get the ingredients. No, you don't, you don't belong in the kitchen. You belong in the car, putting gas in the car and picking up all the ingredients and bringing them back to someone who has that gifting. Again, it would be like men who lift weights. There would be some men, there are some men who can deadlift three to 500 pounds and some even a little bit more off the ground, like, you know, almost uh, part of a car. They can lift it up over their heads because they have the ability and they have the skill to do it. You get someone like me, oh, man, I could probably, well, I could probably couldn't lift nothing up. You better have an ambulance right there waiting for me because I'm going to be in trouble. 
so what I'm saying is that I don't have that ability, but a person who can lift up three to 500 pounds off of the floor over their head, that they are skilled in that. And you have to know, uh, one, you have to know two things. You have to know what you can do and what you can't do. What has God given you the gift to do, and are you doing it? So it's important that as believers, that you don't get jealous of anyone else. Uh, don't sit there stewing in your seat. Well, why is everybody paying attention to them? They're probably paying attention to them because they're just walking around, you know, using their gifts, and they're just as happy, and you sitting back wondering and not doing anything. How come nobody's paying attention to me? You walk in your gift, and you'll walk in the joy of the Lord. You're not going to care about anybody else. The key is to look at ourselves and determine what the master has entrusted to us and step up to the task. Quite naturally then, we must look at our own abilities and what God has given us as his stewards. Our stewardship must be on par with our abilities. Our stewardship should be on par with our ability. So in other words, if God has given you ability to do X, Y, and Z, you should not sit on that ability, else that ability will atrophy. It will go dead. It will go limp. And the skill and the sharpness will dissipate, and then someone else will come and take your place. Uh, we, therefore, must assess what is our, in our possession and are we utilizing to the point that God is receiving the glory? It is clear that God will not give you what you can't handle. Number two, the time you have is the time you have. Well, isn't that profound? Isn't that deep? Uh, the, the time you have is the time you have. You are blessed, I am blessed, all of us are blessed with enough time to do exactly what you, what I am supposed to do. You are blessed exactly with the time, uh, with enough time to do exactly what you're supposed to do. Uh, Matthew 25 verse 16 please. Matthew 25 verse 16. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. You know, uh, this parable, uh, it's not about money. Uh, did you know that? This is not about money. Uh, this is about our attitude towards Christ and the time that God has given us. This is, about, uh, this is about our attitude towards the Lord and the very time that God has given us. In, in other words, what are you going to do with the time that God has allotted to you on his earth? Remember, uh, though God has given us dominion on, uh, on earth, it is still his earth. That God is still king on earth. His earth. Uh, I want you to understand that I do not believe that the master created us uh, uh, not to have fun. Uh, that yes, uh, we are to have fun. Uh, we laugh and we joke. Uh, so, uh, sometimes I would love to look in, in the life of Jesus and his disciple and wonder, I wonder if Jesus ever told them jokes. 
if the disciples ever joked around, I'm just, I'm just, I'm confident that Peter, if nobody else, at least Peter was fooling around somewhere, just making jokes and laughing. So we're meant to have fun. So don't think that uh, all Christians are supposed to be all stuffy and staunchy and not laugh and joke. Uh, so if you see me around here laughing and, and playing fool's ball with the kids, don't say, I ain't never seen no pastor do that before. I'm strange with that. I ain't never seen that before. Hey, I'm human too. Every single pastor, I know that they're human as well. And if they try to hide that stuff, I'm telling you, there's something unhuman about that. God calls us also to have fun and to enjoy his presence as well as the presence of our brothers and sisters. So we must consider how we are utilizing our time. Sometimes you've heard the story when people get sick, uh, they call people to their bedside. You know, there's something I've always wanted to tell you. You know, with a major illness sometimes on their hand, all of a sudden now they want to open up. Now they want to serve the Lord when they know that they're going home in one or two days. Uh, but I'm telling you, I, I've heard it before. I've heard people, you know, uh, make... Uh, bedside death last will and testaments to me before and some of the things they've told me said if the Lord get me out of here that I'm going to serve him I've heard it and I've seen some people do it and I've heard it seen some people not do it and I've seen the Lord take some of them people away too I want you to know I've seen it for myself I don't know what you see why wait why wait why would you wait uh, until uh, you are old and sick and decrepit, can't walk, can't breathe, can't see, can't hear, can't jump, can't do nothing to say, I'm ready to serve the Lord now after you've given all of your best years to the devil. The time you have is the time that you have. You are blessed with enough time to do what you're supposed to do. Uh, some of you say, well, I finally got serious and I think, I think I've blown it all. No, you have probably finally got serious at the right time. Now God is going to use you in an amazing way. But you can't stop. You can't hold back. You can't let anything hinder you. You have to move forward. Don't let anything stop. Put on the full armor of God so you can walk in God's goodness and his purpose. So we utilize our time also to help improve in our relationships. But that is one of the ways. Another way we utilize our time is even in our giving. Many of us can't see beyond the few dollars that we give in ministry every week. The church serves a vital function in our lives and even in the lives of others that we may not never know in the course of this lifetime. So the support, uh, the support of the ministry is crucial to move us to a point of changed lives and honoring the Lord at the same time. Therefore, we support the church with our tithes and offerings as a sacrificial act of worship. But also in our serving, all believers received an impartation of giftings from God. When you accept that Jesus Christ, you have a gifting. We can't use the excuse that uh, because we give our money, we are excused from, uh, from utilizing our gifts in the church. Uh, I give to you, so I ain't got to give nothing else. You know what? If that's your, I don't have to do anything else. If that's your attitude, I'm telling you, uh, keep your money. But the reverse is also true. 
If you think that I serve, I serve at the, uh, to the kilt, and so therefore I don't have to give anything uh, that is also uh, erroneous thinking. The time you have to serve in your ministry is limited to the time that you live on this planet. We never want to put ourselves in a place that we never serve, and then when we finally get it, uh, we, we finally understand that we're too old to minister. At that point again, we've used up all of our good years. Uh, the Lord, however, he also, he wants to be first. He wants to be first. He wants our first and he wants our best. Uh, very quickly, uh, Exodus chapter 34, verse 26. The best of the first, first fruits of your ground you shall bring to the house of the Lord your God. The best, he's saying two things, the best of your first fruits. In other words, when you go to harvest your land, he said, first thing, he says, I want the first. He says, I, I, I don't want the last. I don't want you to give me what you decide to give me after you've already, you know, uh, sold your wild oats. He's saying, I, when you go to harvest in your fields, he's saying that I want the first. And then he goes on to say, I want the best. So just because it's first doesn't mean it's the best. So that's stuff that's all broken down from the very first. God says, no, well, don't give me that. You give me the best and the first. During the Old Testament time, people raised animals and they grew plants. And then they traded them and, and, and used them as commodities. And this is how they made a living. We don't raise animals and we don't grow plants generally, uh, but we do have jobs that provide finances and economic resources which have the same impact. <clears throat> now we know that uh, we are not compelled on the sacrificial system of the law. Uh, we, we know that it is the law that tells us this right here, uh, you must do, uh, that we are not compelled under that because we are under Christ. We've heard that time and time again. That we have been freed from the curse of the law. But does this therefore mean that we bring whatever we want to the Lord and expect for him to honor it? You know, I, I did this for the church, so I know the church better recognize. See, when you talk about the church, you say, you might as well say, God, I did this for God, and I know God, you better recognize God, I did all this for you. How come you're not honoring me now? I did it all for you. What's going on now? If we believe that in Christ we have a better relationship and a better and easy and more efficient way to get to God, shouldn't our response and our stewardship also be better? You see, we want to divide, right? Uh, we want to have this two-sidedness. Yes, we want the Christ, but anything uh, that we are required to do that God wants us to do out of worship, uh, we, all of a sudden we get uneasy. It makes us uncomfortable. It is faulty to believe that because you are in Christ, you can still come to God in any old way that you want. Yes, God tells us to come as you are, but on the other hand, don't come to him like he's your buddy. Don't come to him like he's some joker on the street. God is God and he must be worshipped and he must be reverenced. Brothers and sisters, the greater the revelation, the greater responsibility you have. 
You hear what I'm saying? The greater the revelation, the greater the responsibility you have. And as I've said time and time again before, you would probably have been better off if you had not come to church today and heard these words. Because then at least when you stand before God, you could truthfully tell him, I didn't know. Accountability is part of your stewardship. Matthew 25, verse 19. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more, five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. The same thing happened to the uh, servant who uh, had been given the two talents as a responsibility. So the Lord, that he will call us into his presence to give account of our, for our lives. God will call you into account for your life. It's not just a matter of going into heaven and saying, yes, I'm saved uh, by, the, uh, by the skin of my chinny chin chin. Uh, God said, okay, now that you're saved, what have you done with your life? Sometimes it seems hard to believe that we will be held accountable for all that the Lord has given to us. It seems so difficult because uh, some aspects of our life, our relationships, and the things that we do, they seem, some of them seem so trivial and insignificant. Well, I would not be truthful if I told you that I, that I knew exactly what God was going to hold each of us accountable for because I don't know. I simply, I don't know. I'm not God. If I did know, I believe that some people, if they knew that God would only hold me accountable for this and not for this, I believe that you would throw all caution to the wind in some areas of your life. One thing for sure, the Lord will settle all of his accounts with us when he returns. No one is exempt. One of my prayers for us today is that when the master calls us, we will immediately respond with gladness. Remember, never at any time did the master compare one servant to the next. So he's not going to say, did you keep up with the Joneses? He's not going to say that. You see, by keeping up with them, you may be operating outside of the, God of will, uh, the will of God anyway. But expect to be honored for your faithfulness. Uh, the servants who multiplied what the master gave them were able to enter into the joy of the Lord with commendation. Uh, verses 21 and 22. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Verse 22. And he also, uh, and he also who had the two talents came forth. And basically the same conversation went forth. So the master called them faithful because they knew exactly what was expected of them before he departed. Do you think God would give us an assignment without knowing what was expected of us? Wouldn't it be nice to enter into the presence of the Lord with confidence as opposed to excuses and going to him in fear? In fact, we can safely say that God wants to honor you. God wants to honor you, brothers and sisters. He wants to commend you because as a father, he would be proud of his children. He is not trying to figure out ways of holding back things that, that belong to you, that he had promised to you. No. 
He is willing and ready to accept you into his presence with joy. So know for sure, however, that there is coming a time in which the Lord will ask you to give account for your actions. Uh, that he's not going to say, okay, you're going to come before me and here's one card, I'll give you one pass. So uh, when you come to one thing that you don't like, you can pass on it. He's not going to say that. So not only will God honor you for your faithfulness, expect to be rebuked for your lack of faithfulness. Verse 26. But his master, master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. The servant who went and hid the talent in the ground had nothing but excuses to offer the master. And again, it's like us who never use our gifts. And when we come before the Lord, we say, well, Lord, here I am. And God is going to look and say, I know that. I made you that way. What do you have to show for? Here I am. There are several biblical reasons why things are hidden. People or things are purposely hidden for a later revelation, as with Jesus hiding himself from people in John chapter 8, verse 59. Or the eventual steady growth of the word in Luke chapter 13, verse 21. And then in Colossians chapter 3, verse 3, believers are hidden in Christ to protect us and keep us until the day of his coming. But people also hide themselves because of disobedience. Uh, this servant that he hid, this talent in the ground, and it is reminiscent of, of the fact that uh, when, when Adam and Eve, uh, when God would call uh, to hold them accountable for themselves, we know that they hid themselves. What will you do with the talents that God has given you? Will you walk to him in joy and say, Lord, here is not only the talent that you have given me, but also here, is other, here are other talents. Or will you take what God has given you? Will you take it immediately and say, I don't have any plans on doing anything with what God has given me. So I'm just going to hide it. And then when he comes back, I'm going to say, look here, God. What will be your response? The servant said in verse 24 that he knew that the master would be tough and reaping and gathering where he did not sow, and he was therefore afraid. Man, well, if you were so afraid, why didn't you immediately go out and, and, and do something about your situation? If you're afraid and you knew that your master, that this guy was going to just hold you accountable, you need to do something. You need to do something, brothers and sisters. But the master, he knows better. You see, this servant, he was simply wicked and he was lazy. He had potential, but he refused to use it. He refused. There is nothing like a person who refused to operate in their full potential for the glory of God. It is heartbreaking. And finally, the rewards of good stewardship. Verse 28 in addition to the commendation that I read earlier, 
Verse 28, so take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. <clears throat> For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. That's Jesus talking. Verse 30, and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Doesn't sound like a party to me. What will be your reward from the Lord for your stewardship? You choose your rewards from the Lord based on your response to his call. My prayer is that uh, we all will enter into the joy of the Lord and everything else he offers us based on our faithfulness. No, we're not trying to work our way into salvation because our salvation is sealed. But yet, God expects much of us. What will you do with what God has given you? Will you immediately put it to action or will you hide it in, in the ground? Hiding in the ground is not enough. You've read it for yourself. You've heard it for yourself. 